apparently, I've just been told there's something called female condoms. <laughs> um, I haven't told you that. No, Con's girlfriend just told me that. She what? She's a. Sec- are you becoming a sexpert? Is that where you're, where you're headed down? Maybe, 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 maybe. Con, well done, email. <laughs> for, for real. Um, but sexperts might well be people that like talk a lot about it, but don't necessarily do it. There's I don't a lot know. Of irony. Judging by Con's sex drive, which he talks about sex quite a lot, I would imagine that this is all ongoing. Do you know what I mean? It's all happening. Uh, how do female condoms work? Can you answer that? I think they're just female condoms. I think they're just condoms in a, in a packet that's pretty. That's what she was saying. So you don't. You don't it's not like one that you just like, hang on, what, what can I use this for? No, like, what contraption do you have? <laughs> just sort of like, I don't know. How do you... When you I, blow it up, it becomes a flower. Yeah, I was thinking maybe, I was like, female condoms. Do, is there like a new way of doing that? They use, I don't know whether they still have female condoms. They did have female condoms. They were just like big, round, like latexy, well, pop, lubricant, up, latexy yeah. stuff, yeah. Emma Kenny, ladies and gentlemen, the return of to the podcast. Um, Con's girlfriend's here as well. She's like your number one fan. I, I just want to let you know that they're partaking in something quite interesting at the moment. Yeah, you kind of said that in a really mysterious way. They're having sex as an experiment and a newspaper are writing an article about it. Okay. How interesting. I mean, to just say the intro of that, is a little bit questionable because what you're saying is they're having sex as an experiment. Yeah, what? what, what, what I mean, yeah, what, I'm thinking it's more interesting. About, guys, can you <laughs> about having it during different times of days? Right. So they they're researching a couple of different couples who usually do it in the evenings. So they're getting them to do it in the mornings, and people that yeah. do it in the mornings, they're getting them to do it in the evenings to see if it feels different. Uh, I don't know, it's all the same wet hole for me. Oh my god. Con just said, it's all the same. Say it as you see it. Wet hole to me. I've been around Brian too much. I've rubbed off on him. Not literally. Uh, Again, that's that's just this massive weird image in my head at that point. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm not a morning person, to be honest with you. Give me a coffee in the morning. Yeah, the thing about sex as well, though, is that. I always kind of think that it's a bit contrived if you're having to kind of go ahead and do it. Is that a bit weird for you now? Because normally it would happen organically, uh, not in a field. Um, But it would just happen, you know, but now you're having to schedule it now, aren't you? Just pencil it in. It is becoming a bit of a task now. I'm a busy guy. Is it every day? Literally, today's the first day. It's the first day. Do you have sex every day? It was this morning. Was this this morning the morning? Yeah. Did it feel different? Uh, like, I don't know. Yeah, I think it did. Was it a bit? Well, you had it. How often do you have sex? It felt like you don't oh, have wow. to go for a nap after. Yeah, because Con like, like you got to go to podcasts. All right, Con likes to roll over and die basically after <laughs> he. he you, goes. You're not even meant to as a guy. As a guy, what's meant to happen first of all is a desire to kind of leave. Because oh. when you think about being human before, you know, it's have sex. Hence why guys can ejaculate really quickly. So if you think about it, when people talk about premature ejaculation and loads of like people get worried about it. But if you think about it in a survival context, it was really important to kind of get in there, get, ejaculate, run. Because, you know, you could have a saber-toothed tiger clawing at your back otherwise. Or, or a rival. Or a rival. Yeah. Exactly. So at the end of the day, when you think about the male and female rhythm, that's one of the reasons why. So I'd just like to say, for anyone out there, and there will be someone, because it's a male audience mainly, who's having premature ejaculation problems, just think of it this way. In the wild, 100 years ago yeah. or whatever, you lot would have been safe. So Yeah, congrats. as long as you'd managed to get actually in. 
Because yeah, some guys you, you premature could... ejaculate before they manage to oh, get in Oh, God. There. Then it would be no good to no one. It's okay. You can really deal with premature ejaculation. Don't even worry can about it. Can we get onto that Any now? males listening, it's completely okay. Lots of people How do you... Do, um, do you know how... Have you had do doings? I know, with my experience I, of having penis. Have you the men about this? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people about sex full stop because yeah. I do a lot of sex and relationship work, but young people have like been a passion of mine forever. Like literally from day one of me starting working, young people, sounds wrong saying young people are a passion of mine, but like the under 25s were my main area of work for a long time. Like I have massive love of working with that client group, particularly like hard to reach groups of young people who don't find it really easy to talk about stuff. I mean, young people struggle anyway a lot of the time because everything feels just a bit embarrassing. But definitely with the younger young people, I would sit down and kind of have conversations about that. And they wouldn't necessarily confide in you, but then over time, as they get to know you, they would start confiding in you. So Mm -hmm. when it comes down to premature ejaculation, you know, sex is horny. And like when you're getting it on with somebody... You know, and you're thinking about all of that. By the time you actually meet them, particularly if you've been thinking and anticipating, you might get it on. And then you've got all the things going around your head as a teenager anyway. By the time you actually get to go inside, mm-hmm. you're often so wound up that it's very, very quick. That's not premature ejaculation. That's just genuinely starting the sexual rhythm. Mm-hmm. What we see in sexual problems and dysfunction is where somebody is consistently having sex and not managing to get to a point where they've been lasting more than 10, 15, 20 seconds. And that's really distressing for guys. But the thing is, it's about training. All it is is about training. It's like anything. So how would you work with somebody? And if you're listening and you've got a problem with ejaculating and you're not having sex because you don't want to feel like you're failing, mm-hmm. one of the things that you can do is offer desensitization. So it's about holding on to your cock and masturbating. And then before you actually get to a point of coming, stopping. So you start controlling it. I mean, anybody who wants to last longer in sex can do that anyway. If you're watching porn and porn is making you feel stimulated and you feel like really aroused, don't look at the really hardcore porn. <laughs> the thing about Emma that kills. I'm quite a gesticulator. She does everything with her hands. So right now, she's literally got an imaginary dick in her hand, and she's like, "If you just hold on to it, it's like it's substantial." (laughs) Your imaginary cock is bigger than mine. I've got to say, fantastic. Um, But yeah, you desensitize it. So you know, like teaching guys to masturbate in condoms because a condom kind of puts a little bit of a a barrier between you. Right, and so it's not quite a turn on. Mm. And also because a lot of people on the other side learn to kind of get afraid of condoms. They go on and you lose your hard on. Mm. So again, teaching you to get used to the condoms. Yeah. That, that's really important. So sex is something you can train yourself to be brilliant at, but it just takes work sometimes. And mm. I just think people are so scared of saying, you know, oh, I can't last more than five seconds to the mates because the mates are going to take the piss. And instead of us being supportive, people often get the opposite of that. So people like me exist and people like websites that are there for people involved in that kind of concern they exist for people to go in and find that out that's what i love about this era jesus when i was growing up when i was the stuff you were told when i was a young girl obviously i'm only like what 28 or something but you know when i was a really <laughs> young girl you know and i lived on an island you don't have an internet but when i was a really young girl i remember getting told that masturbation harmed you yeah I mean, that is damaging. Wow. Can you imagine that? Like, when you're, like, 13. Who told you that? My mum! Right. <laughs> Thanks, mum. Damages you. Don't be doing that. When I was, like, nine, she said, like, oh, oh be careful doing that. She obviously walked in on me. Oh, My really? kids will be really happy with me saying that online. Like, wow. Hey, that's one for you, children. Wow. Are they watching? <laughs> yeah, no, well, the friends do. Your mum yeah. was a wild one. Fair play to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who didn't do anything like that until she was 13 and read in just 17 that apparently it was completely natural. Thanks, oh, Mum. Have, have you ever had a guy who's been in therapy with you and I'm sure this <clears throat> must have happened, like sort of fall in love with you a bit? Do you know what? 
Countertransference that's erotic. So transference and countertransference that's erotic is quite common. I haven't necessarily felt that much of it in my time. I think my personality is one that you just kind of get over any of that pretty right. instantaneously and you might want me as your sister or your friend. But I think on a sexual level, guys haven't necessarily as clients felt that way. Women sometimes have had that towards me. I think I'm kind of quite non-gender orientated in the way that I present myself and I'm kind of somebody who doesn't really have a fixed sexuality and I'm quite open about that so I think because of that maybe people who are female have had more of an incidence of reflecting Mm. that I'm safe to kind of project onto but I've not necessarily explored it with clients I've never felt myself in a position I have explored other things like when I've found a client that I really think doesn't like me or when I've found a client that feels particularly conflictual towards me that then I'm representing something for them like a mother or a sister or a father or a teacher or whatever so I've deconstructed those kind of situations but I've never been in a situation where I thought oh god that person wants to get it on with me and actually very fortunately I've never been in a situation where I've worked in therapy and had those conflicting feelings because I remember watching The Sopranos and Tony Soprano and they has a therapist and like his relationship with her grows and grows and at one point he's like convinced he's in love with her yeah and like and she's like no you're not it's the the, the results you're getting the to thing be fair is, she yeah. was she was hot so yeah that, well that's of one of the things isn't it one of the things is if somebody's really attractive yeah. but so that's another reason why it's not been too much of an issue sure, in my man. career it is so. you know, it's, at, the, at the end of the day that is another issue you know and I, I do sometimes look like I fell out of a car when I go to my therapy I never really like <laughs> dress up and I'm not very very good at looking very feminine and all of those things but again you're on this morning for a reason though you're in TV you're do you know in what TV somebody said for, to me yesterday what? at this morning Somebody said, why don't you like wear your normal clothes to just like rock a pair of heels and your skinny jeans and your striped t-shirts? And it's like, because by the time they finished with me at this morning, nobody, not even my family recognized me. Like, I don't look anything like that. Do they really do you up a lot? Yeah. I look like I'm either going to a wedding or I'm probably (laughs) going to get an MBE or an OBE when I'm finished there. You know, and then like I get my jeans on straight away. Like, nobody, the only time I get recognized are people are like, do your kids go to the same school as my kids? You know, and it won't be. It'll just be that they've kind have watched a crime program or something so no i don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Schofield definitely likes the makeup he looks kicked in it he loves it do you know he's got his own personal makeup artist oh my god i see i knew it i knew yeah. it because he always the creases in his skin always look really accentuated and i'm like what's going on he tell you what he looks bloody good for his age and uh, holly i'm not joking right holly looks prettier all the time it's really? bizarre so yeah i think holly um she started off a lot more aiming her personality and looks towards men and now she's gone family oriented has she I've not I feel less attracted to her do you? the older she gets because I'm like mm. she's gone so mumsy now that I'm just like nah there's just no she's really hot there's no honestly way. if you met her in real life nah, really I, I used to have like the massive, a massive thing for her because um, she's my type of the bum and that but um nah it's sort of that. unfortunately Holly if you're watching that ship sailed for you <laughs> Hopefully, can, hopefully she can deal with that with her husband and kids. Well, we might find out. No, honestly, she's definitely gorgeous. Don't get us wrong, but um, nah, they've changed her whole image. Like, so now I don't. I see her as like a mum. Yeah. Don't, I don't see her as like a sex symbol at all. Like, yeah. Who, who do you see as a sex symbol? Um. Who do I? Who do I think? Well, Iskra Lawrence would be my sort of. Yeah, yeah I've worked with her. Is, really? Yeah. Just oh, once, yeah. What's she like? Yeah, um, she was, yeah, she's, she's really into body positivity. Yeah. Um, I, I always find it 
quite challenging to watch people have photographs, oh, selfies yeah. of themselves taken. Because like she has a particular, I don't know if you've noticed in her selfies. She has a face. She has a face. Yeah, old models and have. And she have had like 30 or 40 them. photos taken that yeah. was meant to be a natural selfie. Yeah. And then chose one that was like all your stuff. It's no, cool, but it's cool. But I'm aware that, that models yeah. like that the, she's... I'd like to interview her, I think, and not even just because she's. She'd fit. love to. She'd love to yeah. do that with you. She's. Um, I. I think I've got a good chance of that. She has. She liked um, one of my pictures. A tiny, tiny waist, yeah. and then like a really like pert. Massive bottom. It's not massive. She's like. T- she's not a plus size model. She's halfway though, isn't she? She's, well, what she's got a big bum. Yeah, she's her. Uh, she's That's not. All she's not she a traditional has. plus size. No, girl. she's gorgeous, but she yeah. has a, a slightly she's larger. She's just not ass. small enough. But to be a model model, but she's not big enough but to she be But she is very, very natural no, as well. She's, she's I gorgeous. think you definitely should get her. And she, she's really into like kind of the whole body positivity yeah. and like singing about just being yourself and all of that stuff. Yeah. And Which I, is I, easier said than done in our society. No, but I, there's sometimes I do think myself, like as much as I love her, like, yeah, it's easy to say that when you look like you, pet. Like, do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, that might be an interesting one to see regarding transference and counter-transference with you two, whether you actually would want to sleep with her at the end of it or whether... Oh, really? Yeah. Well, no, just it's an interesting one. We should have that on. We should definitely have that. We should have an analysis of whether <laughs> you actually do yes, want I to do you. that. Fantastic. Yeah. And then, Let's do it. then they can put you in touch with a journalist oh my God. who can talk about the uh, sex lives about that it. you've got. Yeah. You know I'd probably run through fire to fuck her, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> she's not- I literally give myself 30 degree burns. No, like, I, I just... Some people, like, visually just... I take- would lose a limb. <laughs> I would... That as little long finger, as I, li- I got that to little live finger, with it. Yeah, I, could, I could... If I, I was yeah. breathing at the end of it. No, because then. sometimes when there's a person who just hits that um, everything that you sort of well, go yeah, for yeah like supermodel but with a big bum who yeah. happens to be in the public eye who's probably the rich yeah I mean yeah that She's mean, on a it, scale yeah. that but would be her face is quite sort of um, girl next story and I, I yeah. think I quite like that she looks like a nice person yeah we all, we all she, believe that you're a personality be, no but she could be for all, all I know she, she could be a total bitch I don't think she is no but, she seems really nice but what I'm saying is I'm a big fan of the friendly face. Yeah. Bitchy girls who look bitchy, I find, um, I don't know, I just, it puts me off instantly. I love that whole thing about resting bitch face. Yeah. It's because a, it's but some real... people just really genuinely have mm. that face. And it's not even that they're a bitch. Mm. It's just they've got that face. You know, younger people as well. I think they're like the younger generation now are just wearing their emotions on the face. Of course. I see that Massive. so much more. People don't hide shit anymore. There's like my sort of, my parents and their parents' generation, there was stiff up a lip. Yeah. And like you'd have to put a face on. That was the whole thing. Now, if someone's having a miserable day, are they fucking let you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, no one holds back anymore. Well, women, women more than anything. The amount of times I've said to women, "Can you just fucking pretend like you're fucking happy?" Honestly, fuck's sakes, like I really do. I, yeah, I can't. I can't do the old pretending. I do. I do. I understand. Like I, the problem with me is I've got those traits as well. So when I have yeah. to be around someone who equally doesn't hold yeah. back, it, yeah. I kind of clash with them I don't like sulking behaviour mm. I find sulking really really difficult yeah. but that's because I think secretly inside that I have that potential where like I can look at somebody and they'll instantly know how I feel and really that's quite like dangerous it's like quite a destructive quality so sulking it, to me is part of what I'm hearing a lot more about in relationships where you'll find one person who's 
I want to say had a, an upbringing where they've been taught to communicate their feelings and on a mature level know how to open up. And they always seem to be saddled with someone who has no idea how to communicate. <laughs> and they, and you're, I'm finding a lot more in relationships, people I know, of, are in relationships where there's a parent and a child in a relationship. That's, well, that's transactional analysis. So, like, there's basically in that particular type of therapy, and quite a lot of therapists do this, but usually you kind of have to find adult adult. So, adult adult is the ideal state. Mm. So, if I look at like my mum and me, when I was a kid, I was really rebellious and she really struggled to kind of like me. So, we fell into a very, very clear, even though that was the correct dynamic. She was a parent, I was a child. She was really critical parent, I was really rebellious child, yeah. So, as you grow up, the ideal with your parents is you become <coughs> adult adult right but I had to like literally leave the country for three years right to become an adult so we got to know each other in absence if that makes sense and now our relationship's amazing so when you come back together amazing well we wrote to each other so like the first page that I ever received of her was like a page of airmail you folded it into the envelope sent it the last one I got was 17 pages of A4 long she came and visited me in Bali backpacked with me with my dad and um, I just realised I missed them and I loved them and I wanted to go home and have a completely different relationship I'm like literally downloading this information (laughs) so that was what happened there but in traditional relationships genuinely traditional relationships when you look at your dynamics like so now what you're talking about there you turn into potentially critical parent which is well me and my dad for example so my dad wasn't in my life from when I was nine years old about 19 wow so he literally did he just uh, go one day well no there was there was a falling out within the family basically and my dad hadn't like he'll probably hear this and it's cool but like he hadn't really ever stepped up to the plate as a dad you know that his focus was on him and, and the women and his like my dad was yeah. a proper womanizer. Right. Um, okay. Like big time. Yeah. yeah. So um I don't know where I get it from. No, I, so he moved into um all these different women's lives and whatever and, and So you always kind of felt like you were in the place behind like, Yeah, I was sort of a, a, I would come round on a Sunday. So I was Sunday league sort of thing and, and it's it, it's cool, but that's just how it was. Do you know what I mean? I'm not bitter about it, but at one point, I think the right decision was taken for me to be removed from his life. And when I come back into his life later, it's weird. Like, I now feel more mature than him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in a sense, because he hasn't played his cards right that he was dealt in life, in my opinion, and he'd be the first to fucking admit that. Um, whereas I feel like uh, I have. So it's so almost like if I was to have a conversation with him, I feel like I'd be more likely to give him advice than he would be to give me advice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So what about you and your mum? You and your mum were really close all the way through yeah, yeah. your life. Um, that's totally the diff- total different, really. Like that's like I'm still the child. And like, do you know what I'm saying? But with my dad, he's just he was just wild. Do you know what I mean? A total wild man. Uh, and you get a lot of them, I suppose, like where the dad is in and out of a kid's life and. There's, there's men out there like that, I guess, and it's always going to be like that. God, one of I wonder the, if that's, like, genetic, though, sometimes. One of the most cha- challenging and damaging experiences for human beings is abandonment and attachment mm-hmm. issues. I had abandonment So, like, you issues, had though. a really great relationship with your mum, from what I no, can tell. No, but, like, I remember once I was having a conversation with a girlfriend, and I was, like, 16, and she was like, yeah, your problems, you've got abandonment issues. And I remember, like, being like, What? And like, I'd never heard that word before. And she was like, yeah, you've got abandonment issues. You're worried like people are going to leave you because uh, of not having a relationship with your dad. And I was like, fuck. 
Like, I was like, you're right. Like, I just, I'd never even considered it. No. Well, you don't consider it. I was a 16-year-old Because you're a 16-year-old boy mm-hmm. and loads of people don't consider it. Yeah, yeah. And the problem is then they get into relationships and they'll have problems throughout the relationships and they're either really rejective mm-hmm. because they think to themselves, screw this, I'm not investing. Mm-hmm. If I invest, somebody's going to leave me. Or they get really needy mm-hmm. because they need to make sure that that person is not going to leave them and then that often becomes counterproductive yeah. and the individual can't give them what they need because nobody can be a parent. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. That's why adult adults really important where are you now in your relationships I mean I'm uh, See, I think I've changed you. a lot like yeah but I think that you're like somebody who's like you obviously are like you've got a loyalty complex about you even mm. if you don't feel that you have because that is just like part of your nature you What's can just that? sense you that mean? you're loyal you know if oh, like, yeah. somebody's good to you you're gonna like be good yeah if someone's good to me I, I fucking I'm proud of the fact yeah. that I look after that that person and like like even in my work life mm. and that like I, I'm around people and I stick with those yeah. people and I trust them yeah um so, and it makes you open to being used, don't yeah, get me wrong, but that's a no, learning process that you get used to. I'm definitely, I leave myself wide open yeah. on, to many people yeah. regularly. Yeah. Um, and I just trust that A, they think I'm a good enough person to be loyal towards and B, the consequences of crossing me Is are, it's gone. are always... It, yeah, the door's closed. Uh, um, and that's the best case scenario, to yeah. be honest with you. But towards, or towards, Doors closed. Or <laughs> shallow women, grave. Towards women... So in the last sort of like two to three years, I'm I'm um, I've evolved. Like I'm definitely more. I've all of a sudden something's happened where I've gone like, oh shit, you don't have to lose your temper. Like you can just talk things out. And like I'm now at a point where I I very rarely get angry. And in, in, in that and, and if anything, what I've noticed is when I had the argumentative side of me and I, yeah. I was immature. So what would usually happen is say something happens where there's the first phase of an argument where someone does something wrong. That can usually be 50-50. I would elevate that most of the time and go straight into raised voices. Um, I'm not wrong. You have to admit you're wrong. I want an apology. And I'd sort of beat a dead horse into submission until I got my apology and I was right. Now, I, I, if someone's in the wrong, I'm, I keep my calm. But what I'm finding is being the calm one it winds the other person up even more. And I'm like, well, fuck me. I've, I've, I should be getting rewarded for the fact that I'm now being calm and discussing things rationally. And if anything, it just seems to piss the other person off. So, because women like to not, argue. Not stereotyping. Uh, and, not like throwing a whole massive agenda. Just all, just women, just all women. Every culture, every environment, every lifestyle, every parenting, just any woman Anywhere, just, any age in the world. Just just say, and I mean this, and I mean this, and I know it's a generalisation. Really? And, and, and I know that there's a there's a percentage that won't fall into this. But what I'm going to say is, the vast majority of women that I know that I've ever met in my life, when they're angry, oh, they love a good shout. They love a good argue. They love to back and forth, rah rah rah. And then it, it, at some point within that, they'll be like and they'll settle and then they'll come and talk to you and be like you know I apologise and whatever and it'll all be sorted but when you don't give the woman that opportunity to rah 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 they're fucking frustrated it really pisses them off it it depends on your complex style so like I don't shout Mm. my husband is a shouter Right, it's like a proper shower. Like he'll say to me, "Oh, say hi to him to you." Oh, yeah. He reckons because he'll be, he'll just be. If we met, he'll be just like me, kind of thing. And what you were just saying about that shouting, then. So when I met him, if we get into an argument, he would just like 
use words that like, I would never use, right? Would he insult you? He would call me the C word. He would call me the C word. So I'm a little bit of an insultant. I used to be. No, he would never be. Oh my God, no. He would never. So don't get me wrong. That's what loads of people do. But he yeah. would never say anything about like the way I looked or anything like that. <laughs> but he'd just yeah. call me like Oh, no, no. I don't really... mean that. I, I mean, like, for example, I'd say, you fucking stupid bitch or something yeah, like that. Oh, I'd, yeah. I'd say that like, yeah, like, in, in anger. Yeah. He'd like, he'd, he'd like shout at the top of his voice and go like, which personality is meeting me now, Emma? <laughs> which one is it? I can never tell. And I'd, I'd just be the like, I'd just be like, I feel his frustration there. So, but I'd be just like, well, I'm not going to discuss this now. And it's really not appropriate that you're speaking to me like that. <coughs> and then he would think that was patronizing. But that's not patronizing. It's just the fact that I'm just going to explain how I feel and I'm just going to let that be. And then he realized that in the end, that you don't need to win. Like, nobody needs to win an argument. Like, the beauty of human nature is that everybody sees it from their own perspective. So the art of conflict is to be like, as long as it's not that somebody's black and white wrong. Like, if you go and cheat on me, like my ex-husband cheated on me, you're wrong. Now, it doesn't matter how much I take into consideration that our relationship might have had flaws like anybody's are. The truth is, you did something that black and white, it's wrong. You can't now talk your way out of that choice. Does that make sense? So that's a black and white, right? That's so got a one thing I'm really guilty of is uh, in, in a relationship, and this is like, even, I haven't evolved past this, this is like an ongoing problem, yeah. is um, if I have a massive, massive row, yeah. or I get tripped badly in, uh, in any way where I'm like, fuck, I've been like, I've been shafted there. Um, and especially if it's repetitive, I hold a grudge, like there's a real, so what I'm saying is, yeah. I almost start the relationship a, a full tank of of, of love for the this positivity person. Positivity love. And every single time yeah. they really hurt me, you hoard it. it goes down you hoard it. and down and down yeah. until eventually I get to almost empty. Yeah. And, and what happens for me is I don't forgive. Like there's no, it doesn't replenish. It doesn't go back. It literally is like, when I meet someone, it's like, you've got this, use it wisely. Like, and because and, the more you fuck me over and hurt us, the less I'm going to feel about yeah. you because it's almost a defense mechanism for me of just cut that off. Like just every time, just cut it a little That's bit more. That's why we were talking about. So that first stage of abandonment issues, oh, yeah, which is you're waiting for somebody to let you down. Oh, yeah, you're waiting real. and then you don't give them a chance to apologize and move forward. The art of like conflict is, you know, I am somebody who will have those black and white moments in my life. I do. But for the most part, for me, it's like a sorry is a sorry. And as long as the behavior changes, it changes. So like if I was in a relationship with you and you felt upset because I let you down and then I go, oh my God, yeah, I did let you down, didn't I? And I need to do A, B and C. When I've done A, B and C, you have to get that tank fuller. I suppose I, the thing is, I've, I've never been in a situation where anyone's really ever redeemed themselves and towards me. And that's the me. key. The key is that you're, you're leaving the tank to be emptied when that person doesn't deserve any more of your tank. Mm -hmm. Like the deal with relationships, with great relationships, are that you just screw them over when they're not nice to you. Mm -hmm. It's like, what are you willing to take? And that's the other thing about attachment and abandonment. It leaves you vulnerable and it sometimes makes you question your own self-worth. It makes you question whether you do have value. And when a parent like leaves you, it doesn't matter how okay the circumstances were that led to it or how the adults around you were making those decisions for the right reasons or whether the father wasn't yeah. the great father. The point is, the message is that you're not worth it. It doesn't matter that on a fundamental adult lesson you go I can look back at that and I get it I get yeah. it I'm an adult you're not you're dealing with like a nine year old boy yeah I think so one of the things that set me down is like so for example when I got back in touch with them was 
well, why didn't he just send us a birthday card? Because yeah. I didn't have a birthday card for yeah. like 10 years from yeah. him. And I was like, what? even but, but, then... But, 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 but I, why I didn't you fight, fight for me? Yeah. Is, forget, forget any of that. Yeah. The, the big fundamental question you're asking is, why didn't you fight for me? And what he needs to say is, I am sorry I didn't. Yeah. Because then that's okay. It's like, because at that point you can go, you know what, in this world, everybody is trying their best, but some people's best just isn't my God, you're not good enough. That's the key. Yeah. The key to conflict, the key to life in general for me. And I live like a really peaceful life. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't have ups and downs, but for the most part, I'm kind of like quite calm and I'm quite happy. And don't get me wrong, I have to work it. God, like anybody listening to this and thinking, why am I so depressed? Like you have to work it. I've had mental health issues. I've had lots of problems in my life. But what I'm saying is you can get to a point where you can maintain a pretty simple, positive outlook mm-hmm. and you can reframe the shit because I spent my life for a long time as a young person being massively resentful. What you're talking about, that hoarding resentment, where I could like literally, as a young person, I was gifted with my vocabulary from a really early age. It did not transmute to any other area in my life. It did not even connect with intelligence. It was just this amazing ability to just string words together and seem to be quite convincing, which meant that if you were in a relationship with me, whether you were a friend or even a parent, I could make you think that I was right. Because I could take some bizarre argument and almost make it seem like it made perfect sense, right? Yeah, I've got quite a good ability of of, of spinning shit in the world myself. So I could do that. And Mm. that meant that I spent a long time winning. Mm -hmm. I lost everywhere else in my life from relationships to jobs Mm. to whatever, but I kind of was right. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that that's the worst way of being. Like nobody has to validate me being right. I just have to acknowledge I am, but that comes from a belief that I have worth. And with you, like it or otherwise, and for anybody who's lost a parent to somebody who's lost a parent to death as a young person, or somebody who has been in a situation where they've never known the mother or father, or an adopted kid, you know, all of these kind of things, they cause a fracture. That doesn't mean that that person's damaged. It just means it causes a fracture, like anything, and it heals in one way or the other. Some people just get really resilient. But for most people, it's like it gives you questions. And I think in life, we have to figure out what questions we need to ask and have answered. I'm not saying that the people around us can always give us that answer, but that if we ask it enough, either to ourselves or to the people who shared experiences like we have been through, we find it. I think for me, I just got really resilient. And I actually... um I'm a really resilient motherfucker. Mm. I mean, like, and I, and I have also, I, um, I rate myself very highly. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I just like, I have self-worth. Yeah. And I have a standard of like, what I will accept. What you'll accept. Uh, and, and, and it never goes below that really. Apart from when people do crap to you and then you let them then do it again and again. It, it, well, so like, what you're saying is maybe in your personal life, that's the only area that isn't completely I, I think if I, if I really did love someone, I, I would allow things to get worse than what it normally would. Or maybe but, maybe they shouldn't get worse. But what I'm saying is when, when I let the tongue go down, that's me. Yeah, you're done. I know, you get to that so point. So, for example, if I'm holding if I'm holding onto that person's hand, mm. that that tongue is going down. And I just sort of cut my own arm off. Yeah. I, I'll, cut, I'll hurt me in order to end this whole shit, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But growing so, up's a big part of it, though, isn't it? Yeah. Don't you think that age is, like, a massive part of it? Well, lately, for me, like, I've hit a point where I'm like, oh, shit, like, I'm... Uh, I am who I am now. Like yeah. this is this is where I want to. You've got to be fully accountable, fully mm-hmm. responsible. 
But at the same time, I just think that a lot of us don't do the work to look back on why we are the people we are and who formed us. And it's not a blame game. Like I think that not upbringing. That's it. It's not a blame game. In the last in the last couple of years, I, I, like there's sometimes I'll be driving along and I think, fuck me. I'm so lucky, like I had like a mom who put so much into us, sort of thing. Because otherwise, like, and because I, I know people who haven't had that, and then I realise where they are, yeah. and I like literally think my whole life has almost been a domino effect, yeah. and like she pushed the first domino. Do you know what I mean? And if it wasn't for that, it wouldn't have been. I wouldn't be where I am now. So, um, and her love, love that is real and pure oh, yeah. I mean it's complex in any sense love always is but if it's like given to you in a way that you feel just like unconditionally accepted even if it's just of one person that's enough to knock any direction no, no, in the right like direction the, isn't it so the whole reason I can go on camera in front of like a million people and just not give a fuck is because in my head as long as I'm loved by my mum, why it. do I give a fuck about what anyone else thinks so that is exactly what drives me as much as I might be in front of a camera talking about something mental in my head and in my heart like that's what's driving me do you know what I mean God, I think for any mum to have like a son say that is like a legacy that mm-hmm. you just dream of like I want my own boys to do that when they're yeah. older just to think you know what my mum just completely knows who I am and sees me for who I am and I'm sees sure my you've work. got them fucking well worked out by well now. I don't know you know yeah I've got great kids I've yeah. got great kids but they're hilariously funny and they're also really emotionally literate the thing about me bringing my boys was was just just speak speak their truths, you know, be them, be be who they are. Mm-hmm. But like, I do live in a comedy. I can't live in a comedy house. Mm-hmm. I don't take it seriously. I mean, like parents like take it really seriously. Well, you, you do a podcast together, you and him. So like, we just talk bollocks. Subscribe. I'll leave the link below if you no, want. No, but seriously, <laughs> warning anybody. Somebody was writing on writing on the thing today, going, oh, <coughs> like. You know, great. I've just done like a psychotherapy degree. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, the person who's like listening, because you're obviously a great listener to this show and like amazing for being lovely as well. Love positive people. But I was just, honestly, I'm telling you, right? They'll be so disappointed. It's just me moaning yeah. in the kitchen, usually interrupted by animals and dogs. Really? Yeah. I'm not like you. I mean, <laughs> I'm not like you. The dog, dogs come in here every now and then, but that's another story. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Do you know, it's funny though, isn't it, when you end up? Because if you think about it, last time we spoke to each other, you were saying that there have been a lot of times in your life where it could have gone one way or the other. But oh, like, yeah, fuck me. do you feel like, sorry, I know this is you interviewing me, but let no, me just like, interview you. Yeah, for I already said you can put this out on yeah, your podcast. But just, or yeah, but I want to interview forth, you fine. on the fact that, like, how do you feel now looking back? Like, because you're a role model. God, that's a big word, though, isn't no, it? No, but no, because the thing is, you can't help it. You you might not feel it. And it's not even something that I think is a legacy you have to feel. I'm being honest with you. But you are. Like, you have, like, a huge amount of people, young men, young women, not all young men and women either, you know, older people as well. And they listen to you. And it's not just about the humour. It's, like, about the journey. Like, they've been with you, some of those people, from pretty much day one. So they've grown up with you and your brand. Like, so how do you feel, like, just looking at that and reflecting on that? I think uh, the weird... So when it hits us, a couple of times in the past week, I've pulled up at traffic lights, and it was, like, around, like, school time or whatever. And there's, like, 30, like, kids just around me car wanting photographs of us and stuff, and that's, like, this is fucking mental. It's, like, the traffic lights have gone green now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And uh, that's, like, near where I grew up and stuff, and I'm, like, God, this is mad. This, like, this is, like, these are who I was, like, sort of 10 years ago or whatever. Um, that's when I'm, like... 
like and one of my mates was in the car with us like this is fucking mental <laughs> like and this is like an old school mate who just doesn't like like he's got a normal job or whatever and he's like this is fucking mad mate and like and what about like kind of like when you think about that what do you think you've seen change like in the past year since you began to now both in yourself but also like in the expectations of people around you because like things must change they must change so I, I never had like a role model at school who was local who I could achieve what they had done so um, in my head, um, I mean, I was Alan Shearer, but I was never going to be Alan Shearer. So in my head, I'm kind of like, oh, I kind of hope that this spurs on other lads from my area to, if they have got uh, charisma and a bit of banter, give a YouTuber a go or whatever. And because like I've moved house, obviously, in the past um, year. And like about four years ago, I was in um, like a, a very, very small house. And like I mean, a very small house in 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 a in a rough area and that. And uh, I remember having like, what there was a there was a week where I was like, shit, I can't afford bread and milk here. Like I'm oh, literally yeah, yeah. fucking got yeah. nothing. Um, and it wasn't always like that. My life, I wasn't always, but I had like whatever a bad year or whatever things were going really bad. And uh, like driving past that house now, I'm like, fuck me. Like I started YouTube videos in that house. And like, if people could say it, they'd be like, that is, that is mad. So it has been like a real um, journey. They're that like respect. reflections though. Those reflections are like just amazing though, aren't they? They keep and, me like, grounded. when you drive past that and it's like, mm. it's part of the fabric of who you are. No, it keeps me grounded. Like sometimes I'll just drive past that house and, and it brings back all those memories of like, I remember I used to get up in the morning and like think, all right, well, how can I do YouTube? And like, what can I do and learn about? And now, um, like, every single day was just like another brick into what I wanted to create. And although some people might, <clears throat> they might think, oh, you're only a YouTuber, mate. But like, no, that's, 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 that's head, like saying, but you're only a, a Hollywood film star. No, it's the new generation of, of connection. But I understand what I'm, I understand I'm, I'm just saying in my life, this is a real big moment for me to look back at that house and see like where I'd gone, like what I'd come from because like I was going nowhere fast yeah. in that house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I really wasn't so. But that's the thing about, <clears throat> I try to get that across to people and I don't think people kind of understand it. That agency that just you happen to the world. So why do you keep making excuses not to make it happen? Like mm. what you did was you just went ahead and did it. That's like one of the things that I see constantly on social media. You'll see a lot of people who are jealous or envious or they'll kind of be negative because people are succeeding. And it really, unless you have been born with a silver spoon in your mouth and no disrespect to people who are lucky enough to get that because that's real, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But for the average human being like you and me, like you have to work really hard to make it. You have to, you know, people, you just don't get there. You yeah. know, it's the journey that gets you there. What's been the darkest times for you on that journey? Like, cause there must've been apart from the poverty. <laughs> I remember yeah. that by the way, I can remember oh trying God. to make biscuits there's, there, out of flour and bread. There's nothing you know, worse than, than for me stressing out about money. I find it yeah. really horrible. Like hanging over my head of, can I pay rent this month? And then if I don't, what happens? So like those, those were pretty bad. Um, yeah, like a few people died in my life along that way. That yeah. was fucking sad, horrible. Um, How's that affected you? I mean, like I, you know, I lost. I, I lot of people were close to me. I lost my best friend, and yeah, that's I remember you really that. significant for me and yeah. changes you. So, what about you? So, like, um, my cousin uh, who I who I basically was raised like Young. he was like my brother basically. We, we grew up like we were dressed the same. We did everything the same. You know what I mean? Like, it was that kind of friendship, and. Um, he overdosed and um, that was sad. Wow. 23 years old when he died. Um, 
Were you still like really, really best friends? No, like we we were because when you're like teenage lads and that, you go off and he was DJing and stuff like that. So he was off doing his own thing. So we weren't as close, but still, it was like fuck me. Like we were raised together. Like. Ever, everything he had I had like we were in competition together our whole lives like in a good way though you know what I mean we would like sleep in the same bed when we were kids like eight years old and we'd talk all night about whatever do you know what I mean so like it was really sad really really sad when uh, he died and um I just I just that really put a a fire up me of like um life is so fucking short like I'd need to take whatever I like YouTube is my, my only I knew what else was waiting out there for me like with my other jobs and that I'd done and I could go back to that but I was like I'll not be happy doing that YouTube's my only chance of being happy and then if I get money out of it great but like I just want to have a job where I can do YouTube and make enough money to like keep doing it and and provide a decent life so um and that just spurred me on, really. It just made us think, fuck me, life is so fucking short, just kill it. Um, and that was like, but yeah, I had some times where I was just like, this is fucked, like, or whatever. And, you know, you're, you're sitting in a fucking room just crying to yourself, fucking thinking this is never going to fucking work. Everything's shit. Do you know what I mean? I think everyone's had those moments at some point. Yeah. Though. Um, so, yeah, that was... I think I, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but uh, I just I was very down. You're dealing with grief. Grief's horrible. Yeah. I think that for me, the whole process of watching somebody that you love die, or being there at the moment of impact when you hear that somebody that you love has died, it kind of completely scrambles who you are, and yeah. then you reform, but you never reform in the same way. I mean, I don't think that grief ever changes. Like I think that there's this misconception that you get over it in the end, and I don't think that's what happens. I think what happens is your life just grows around it. Uh -huh. So like you just have more experiences, and you do more stuff, and you go more places, and you have more memories. So yeah. the impact of grief kind of is still in that moment. Like you know, if you look back to the grief that you've had, you can visit it. Yeah. It's like you can visit it, can't you? You can like yeah. visit that moment. It's weird because like obviously other people have died in your life as well, and. Like, I was talking uh, about Kanye West's mom dying for him. Well, that was really hard as well because of the guilt he feels towards the fact that he paid for the surgery that she had. And um, and that just got me thinking about grief in general. And, and I was, like, thinking about how it was for me. And the way I described it was, like, you, you are raised with these principles, the basics in life that, all right, you wake up in the morning, sun shines, um, you know, you breathe air you walk like these are the basics and then you've got a person yeah who you love and when that person's taken away from you whoever that is to you in your life it's almost like the whole world just changed and you're like what like i've this is no they're there and like this is how things are and then that taken away I, I likened it to one day you wake up you open the front door and the whole entire world's underwater and everyone's swimming around because that's how much life's changed for you and the hard bit is is that to you everything's changed like that but everyone else everything's normal and you want to sort of go up to someone and shake them and go how can you be walking around normal the whole world's just changed but it's actually just your world that's changed and and I think um, it's not just changed though has it when it's like a significant loss like that oh no it feels like it's it's um, over in, in many yeah. respects and, uh, and I know people have been affected by grief even worse than me but like it can take you under, like, uh, and I, I became close after 
there was like three deaths in a year and I, I got really really low like I remember there was one night where uh, well there were a couple of nights in, in one year where I was just partying to the point of like almost like self what it was self-destruct and at the end of the night I was like throwing up in the fucking toilet and like nearly um, cho- I was choking on my own sick and I remember thinking because I was on my own I remember thinking fuck me like this could be curtains here yeah, like and I remember like straining for the life was just to try and breathe like I literally couldn't breathe and um, other times that year where I just I really wanted to be dead like I just I was like just fucking like I really I didn't I don't get me wrong I wasn't I know you're not saying you were suicidal I you wasn't say you just thinking about how am I going to kill myself yeah. let's just what I mean is I was like life would be this it would be so much better if I was just not here the like, pain's so intolerable yeah and life after the pain is also not enjoyable so it's like I've got this pain and then I've got a life of fucking hate what is the point do you know what I mean but I got through it and I stayed and I didn't become suicidal and I just waited and kept going and eventually found something that I did enjoy doing and life got better. And when you hear like um, the quote of Robin Williams, where it's a famous quote from one of the films, ironically, because he did commit suicide, where he says, suicide is a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I do agree with that because I feel like I could have gone real, real down at that moment and not allowing yeah. it to happen. Though as, as down as I felt <coughs> yeah. and waking up every morning was so shit, and, and but just not doing that and not going down that road was like, it did work out and it, I think if people are like I know a lot of people say these things but if you can just ride the storm it can get better do you know what I mean I think the fact that people don't talk about it a lot either like you talking about grief and death and losing people that have real meaning like, mm. it's really important because we don't like the problem with the legacy of grief is that everyone's gonna have it mm-hmm. like that's the irony like we don't sit and talk about it enough like we need to talk about everything yeah. more i mean even mental health gets bracketed as mental health like i don't see the difference between mental and physical health it's exactly the same your brain's an organ it feels things emotionally but it's exactly the same as if your kidney is packed in if it packs in some real consequences right i think it's worse in, in fact because if we are anything in this world it's our brain really that's that we're more our brain than anything else yeah but the point that we don't do that conversation, you know, we don't have those conversations about like the fact that every single person, like there'll be young people who have listened to your podcast who are, have just lost a mum or have just lost a dad. Mm. And the point is that because you can't just go and listen to people talking about it in mm. reality, you just don't know where to go. Nah. Like you said, even as an adult, you're sitting there thinking, well, how do I process this enormous feeling that's like, I've literally got dread every oh, moment of the day, just dread. We had people... Because I opened it up the Twitter. What do you want us to talk about? People saying anxiety, and I remember the anxiety attacks yeah. I used to get. And I went to the um, I went to the doctors, and I was like, "What the fuck is this feeling?" I'm feeling. I explained it. I was like, "Tight chest, can't breathe, like nervous, like can't can't sleep, but also exhausted, and like all these things that were going on." And they were like, "Oh, that's an anxiety attack. Like you're having them regularly because of all the shit that you've just been through." Uh, and I remember, like, for a good few weeks, I, I was taking, is it Valium or something? Yeah, or diazepam. Uh, sorry, that was it. And uh, I was chucking two of them down my throat and fucking eight cans of cider. Yeah. And, like, I was I was collapsing just to get sleep, yeah. basically. Like, I, what a fucking mess I was, like. 
So yeah, but it's a, not a mess, is it? It's reactionary. It's mm. reacting to something that's like unmanageable. Yeah. You said you felt like you were drowning. Like yeah. that's the thing, you know, everybody felt like they were underwater, but actually you're the person underwater oh, yeah. because you just can't feel like you can breathe. You can't no. do any of that. It's fucking awful. I just can't get my head around really in a society that's full of people with the potential to help each other that we do such a bad job in the UK. Like you, even, literally. even your friends are freaked the fuck out when you're when they know you're going through that. Like my mates were like avoided me a little bit like at that people point. say that all the time do you know what I mean because they were like what the what fuck? do we say yeah how do we put somebody who's always okay in the box of not okay yeah. exactly but at the same time it's like everybody's got the capacity to help somebody else it's dead simple if somebody's in pain just ask them ask them why ask them what you can do you know you don't even need to know what to do because the person will just be they're aware that you want to help them and mm. even if they can't direct you being with them in that space is really important when my best friend died she got like we'd been best friends from seven and she was like my sister she really was like we'd had periods in our lives where you know you kind of come and gone but we'd always been a constant in each other's lives you know we did everything first every first together do you know what I mean uh -huh. we knew everybody's first simple as that now when she got sick I was like in the state of how do I solve this you know, how do I solve this? This is what I do. I'm solution. Anybody, ask anybody who knows me, like, my thing is everything will be all right in the end. And if it isn't all right, then it isn't the end. That's my philosophy, right? Yeah. So I solve everything. So I was on the phone to every consultant I could think of. I was looking at new treatments. I was trying to get cannabis oil ordered off the dark web. I was doing anything and everything yeah. so that my friend stayed, yeah? And it's a really interesting dichotomy because in the same moment, I was doing everything. Are you a controlling person? Um, I think that I have, I, I don't think I have control issues as in, do I feel like controlling other people around me? No, quite the opposite. I'm quite like liberal in all of my activities. Uh -huh. Like I just kind of have a really great sense of people should be allowed to be feel like, so my sister and me have this constant argument. I love my sister. I love my. I've got a really good northern family. Um, we're all close, but we have this consistent argument. She's a teacher, like she's a rocking good teacher. You know, like yeah. I'm, I could never have committed to something like that. She's like really, really great. And my son, my eldest son, Tide wants to be a doctor, right? At the yeah. moment, he wanted to be a doctor since he was like five years old. And at the time, I remember thinking, Oh Jesus, they've got to like get A's, haven't they? You know what I mean? And all of that. And we went to America. My sister convinced me to go to Disney with the kids a year ago. They're about seven years too old, really, for Disney. I'm not going to lie. Really? There's a lot of queues. And if I want to save you some money, a lot of queues, very expensive meals, not the portion sizes I thought you'd get either. Well. I thought they were going to be huge. But never mind, could have saved you quite a lot of money there just in the future. So <laughs> she kind of, me was sitting drinking, obviously, one night. And we got into a proper row, like a, a friendly row. But she was going, I can't believe you're saying that you're not going to force him to do his work. And I was saying, listen, I'm bringing up men you know, and women, obviously. I haven't got women as girls. I haven't got girls, but I'm bringing up men right now. And my men that I'm bringing up have to have consequential thinking, right? So if that boy wants to be a doctor, yeah, then I'll do everything I can to help him, but I ain't forcing him. Like, that's his job. That's no, on him, fully, right? That's fully. on him. And I won't feel his disappointment. I will love him. I'll accept him. I'll be proud of him, whatever he does, as long as he's happy, whatever he does. And my other one doesn't know it once. And I'm like, yes, just go do a communication study degree or something and then go and work in your shop. I don't care, you know, as long yeah. as you're happy. My eldest one wants to kind of be a doctor. So he'll, if he fails, he fails. So I'm quite able to let people have their moment, yeah? But as a person, do I feel solution orientated? Yeah. So I, in that situation when she was dying, I just wanted to sort everything out. And it actually, I would say, probably caused more of a distance between us for those last months because I couldn't confront the fact that she was going to die 
you know and it was only at the very end when I was like with her because she didn't have any kids and I was with her partner and we kind of spent the last week and the last two days I was there the whole time while she was dying and she didn't want to die in hospital she wanted to die at home and during that period it was like a real recognition and ritual of my god you know really there's nothing I can do here there's nothing I can do you know I just have to be with her yeah I remember those feelings like it's I remember having the the sentence in my head of well there's nothing we can do about this and it's so fucking final and it's like fuck like I'm a little bit of a superman in my own head like yeah. I can always change shit yeah. I can I can make things happen that other people wouldn't b- believe yeah, to be that's possible exactly how I feel and exactly it and, and having it's like that's it it's gone I'm you're powerless fucked. there's nothing I can do like no. it's beaten us exactly like, and, and we can't change this no. like it's really fucking and also feeling frustrated I was frustrated with her I was thinking fight more yeah. you know figure it out do it <laughs> you know come on and I can also remember the thing about death that I think that we don't talk about is like everyone talks about this death thing like it's this great big monster in a cupboard and it's like this massive like symphony of being when it happens and like actually death is like literally the most bizarrely quick and uh, the drawn out process isn't the dying isn't but you know the, the death it's like over I, I, so, I'm like, sometimes wonder if it's supposed to be that way do you know what I mean I mean I don't know if people believe in God who are watching this or whatever but like I, I kind of think um, it's hard I mean the deaths that I've been through were all quite sudden all of them traumatic um, but uh with with that it almost relieves you of the pain of having to see someone um slowly deteriorate which um i know other people have to go through and i and i feel almost lucky i didn't have to say that with the people i love because that's even worse sometimes you know yeah but to some degree watching somebody die also gives you a process to adapt to it whereas when it's sudden you're kind of like whoa i I think that's why i got the anxiety (laughs) do you know what i mean i think the anxiety attacks come from being in shock yeah like what the fuck but your vulnerability as well because yeah. you realise that things that made sense don't make sense anymore no, so no. like we live our lives even though there are no rules and nothing really makes sense we live our lives believing that there is a thing that makes sense so when yeah. that sense suddenly gets destroyed you just sit there thinking well, what makes sense and nothing does does it make you think about like and this has become yeah. I, mean, I know it's like morbid subject but like it, <laughs> I think it's a morbid subject um, it's a human subject what is what do you now think about you dying one day How, um, after after this experience? I mean, as a human being, like, I kind of welcome death as far as it's a big part of the process. As a person, I think that we carry on to some degree. Mm-hmm. So I'm not religious, but I do definitely have a sense that life is a temporary thing within me. And when life leaves me, it becomes life again. Yeah. So people ask me why I'm vegetarian. Um, I'm vegetarian because I believe that if you think about life as an energy field, as an energy force, if you imagine we're all kind of like, don't get me wrong, I would not be surprised for a minute if we're all a computer algorithm. And when we die, actually somebody just takes our earphones off and carries on doing another thing. You know what I mean? Genuinely, it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> the slightest. It's weird enough as it is. The fact that I can text somebody in Australia freaks me out. So, you know, on a level, anything amazes me. But genuinely, like on my whole philosophy, it's that I think that life is an energy force that we all belong to. I think that, you know, if you get touched and you're an insect, you're here for that much of a time. No, but you, you personally. Yeah, I think, what, I, I think I'm part of that. I so, think I'm so it. sometimes I think to myself, like, how would I feel if it all ended? Like, Truman Show style. <laughs> like, just, yeah. If it all ended now, how, how, would, how would I feel? Like, and I'm actually becoming quite like, I'm all right about it. Yeah, because you're in a good place. You've, you've done stuff. Like, the people that regret life 
are the people who feel like they never ever did what they were meant to do yeah. that I think must be the most stifling like emasculating if you're a guy and destructive if you're a girl feeling at the end of the day and this is my big problem with the way that we bring up people in the western world like we bring people up and I don't know whether I talked about this a bit last time, but we do bring people up with a blueprint. It's a blueprint. It goes, you go to school, you go to college, you do your exams, you might go to university, get a job, get married, buy a house, have kids, die. Right? And it's the completely broken blueprint that people are following them blindly it doesn't work most of the time I don't mind because I've had quite a lot of fun yeah that's why yeah I've actually had quite a lot of fun in the last couple of years and that now so you're doing what you love if you die doing what you love you've had a life fully lived yeah it's when you die having felt like you've never done any of the things you believed in could you imagine that like I genuinely get up every day and I like what I do I'm like I'm never going to be like a multi-millionaire like well obviously I am because I'm going to win the Euro Millions soon but I mean like this morning that's going to happen that is definitely on my mood board this this morning pay a few million a year anyway so that'll be right could you imagine could you imagine I couldn't even afford I could not afford to work this morning more than once a week I bet your Hollywood will be on a fair pocket yeah I can imagine, yeah. I'm, I imagine you're right. Imagine you're right. <laughs> imagine they're all on season packet. The lucky bastards. I'm not on one of those, right. though. You're the, say you, Mr. Moving to a new place soon. To be, to be fair, all right, <laughs> don't tell him. Um, to be fair, um, if Schofield retires, I could sort of slip in there, no problem. That replace. sounds inappropriate again. Re- re- your language is inappropriate. Uh, should I look at some of the things, pe- so people have asked us to yeah, talk cool. about certain yeah. subjects. Right. I love that you talk about grief. I think it's really, really important. I think I, so I many people feel about it. Yeah, I do a lot because I remember, like, I didn't have anyone to fucking listen to about it. So yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so we're going down. So the one thing I want to bring up because I know a lot of people who uh, listen to this podcast do it during exams, and there's one person who said that they struggle to, they're struggling to keep their head during exam times yeah. and with all the stress that comes with it. Yeah. Um, is there any sort of words of wisdom you've got for that situation? Yeah. The thing about exams is that you've been lied to your entire life. So of course you feel utterly horrified at the idea of doing them mm-hmm. because you think the world ends if you fail them. Mm-hmm. That's what the whole process has been bringing you up through education. If you fail your GCSEs or you fail your A-levels or you drop out of your degree, you're screwed. Uh-huh. The fact that there are millions of very successful people around you who've never even done well in an exam before mm-hmm. is something you don't see. You just see what you believe. So first of all, reframe it. You are going to still be you the day after you've done your exams. If you have failed them all, there are lots of other strategies that you can do to succeed in life. The first thing you have to ask yourself is, what do I really want to be? For example, if it's a YouTube sensation, why are you even doing GCSEs and A-levels? Why is it bothering you? Mm -hmm. Get online and start doing it. If you want to be a doctor, sure, you need to do well. Mm. So you resit, for example. Most importantly, though, you stop worrying about your future. It hasn't happened. It's not going to happen because you'll always be in the present. So what can you do in the here it's and the now to make things occur? Up. Yeah. Worry so fucks people. First of all, make sure that you're not spending too much time revising, i.e. hours and hours. 20 minutes, take a break. 20 minutes, take a break. Just give yourself lots of time to soothe yourself around that kind of educational learning. Secondly, how kind are you being to yourself? You know, are you going on walks? getting out with nature might sound a bit idealistic but we know it helps a hell of a lot with the way that we concentrate also it's really good mindful practice do you do diaphragmatic breathing if you've got an issue with anxiety that's where you learn to actually breathe through the diaphragm and diaphragmatic yeah if you want to look it up look up two seven eight 
breathing. Mm-hmm. It's four, four, two, seven, eight, four, seven, eight, breathing. Breathe in for four, hold for seven, breathe out for eight. It just means you can't get panicky. Just stops you doing that. Make sure, I know this sounds like, again, it sounds like I'm a mother, just being a mother, but it's <laughs> genuine this. Make sure you eat a decent breakfast. Make yeah. sure you're organised the night before. The way that you set out on the day of your exam is really important. Have everything prepared. Organisation is something I learned later it's in It's really life. important. But what I've realised is like, it's the key to success. Yeah, it is. Being organised is, is, is a massive, like, it, it is the difference maker for me, and, and I see this uh, across the board, is that the more successful people are the ones who are yeah, the most right. organised. Yeah, like Bill Gates gets up at four o'clock in the morning, yeah. it's as simple as that. So make sure that you're organised, make sure that you're hydrated as well, the brain works a lot when it's got a lot of water in it. If you've done sod all revision, right yeah if you don't start all you're not going to do as well as you should Mm -hmm. but big deal you made a choice so if you want to make some better choices in the future do it but if you have done your work if you have revised hard if you are organized and you go into the exam and it's not a great paper then there's nothing you can do about that apart from try your best do you know what's mad though i think my brain is only now ready ready to sit exams and that's right (laughs) it's like what the fuck are they doing making young kids sit exams have you seen them as well the <clears> levels <throat> that these kids are doing now listen I have been in education a long time I worked in education a long time people are lying if they are saying the exams now are as hard as the ones that used to be they are harder by a huge amount the Tory government are despicable as far as I concerned they are despicable <laughs> I don't I do not care what they've done to education it's disgusting it's alright if you go to Eton your dad's on a massive padding wage and you've got several tutors then bang on it's system for you nice one going to be a corporate lawyer knock yourself out right but any kid from an estate in the UK with a dysfunctional family which lots of people have lots of us have right mm-hmm. with poor access to extra education with poor access to great nutrition right the system is completely screwed and stacked against them it's appalling and that's what people need to be saying so kids who are anxious today right you're anxious because you are facing some of the toughest exams that you could ever imagine and you're right you're right they shouldn't be having to do it that way how does a test of memory one day on a year how does that say that you are worth an A or B or a C it says you can hold your cool and you happen to have a good memory it's got jack all to do with actually knowing your subject yeah, and that's I, the key so that's the other I, thing I'm only ready for that now. Like, I think I've only just got like to my full capabilities I'm the same. in the last couple of years I'm like, the same. so fuck knows and another thing I, I think is the amount of hours that go in like I think the idea that they have homework is ridiculous mm. like I, th- I would ban homework yeah I think that's a great idea True, and, for, and, for and do you know what minister. teachers teachers would the thing about teachers is right nobody listens to teachers yeah. that's what drives me mad as well like teachers don't want to be marking every other mm. honestly the amount of stress people who think they've got loads of holidays you're delusional teachers work so hard but also <laughs> teachers want autonomy they want creativity they want flexibility and they want to be imaginative that's what they want to do and they have it all taken away from them and told to do so this, like, that, and the other. The fact that kids are doing like I don't know seven to eight hour days in school learning yeah. all day, like how are their brains got any chance to fucking and they're bored. take all that? In? A lot of them are bored. You of know course. what I mean? And the thing is, you don't need to be bored. Education can be the most amazing experience, and that's why when you've got great teachers, and there are lots of amazing teachers, like Mrs. Skinner and Mrs. Kerr were my teachers. Like they were the two teachers yeah. in the world who thought I was brilliant, and actually I did really well in theirs yeah. because of that. So their attitude implemented my change to some degree. But what kids today are facing is a lot of negativity no, because like, they're having to do all of these things. I've only just started enjoying learning in yeah. my life. Like I didn't really enjoy learning at all. Like as a kid, I, I found it just boring because I was forcing myself to learn something just to win the exams, basically. Now, like, so Lawrence, he's on holiday, by the way, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> um, he, he, he 
went to film school so he knows a fuck ton about editing and all this sort of stuff so if I want to make a certain kind of video I have to sort I have to learn a lot from Lawrence to start off with um, giving him a bit too much credit these days a lot, of, <laughs> a, a lot of this is me now just want to put that out there but anyway um, but I've learned so much like just from and, and not only that in business as well like doing brand deals and doing sponsorship deals I know like, it's huge and I'm, and I'm like wow this is this is amazing like I'm learning so much but like I've only just started enjoying that and I think to myself imagine school was like about what you wanted to learn about yes imagine how yeah I, I, I don't just mean like how to make a fucking Snickers because you love Snickers like, that would be an amazing thing to do in domestic science though. I would have took that <laughs> but I just mean it all right, a halfway between, you know, like, let's just say your ideal career, roughly, yeah. like, we will teach you the, you're, the you're basics. Right. I agree. The basics of what that yeah. would entail. And obviously, if you want to go on to a degree level, you can't yeah. have that. But the way it's structured is insane. Like, A-levels, the amount of people who take taken A-levels who tell me, like, they're even worse than a degree because you're basically doing three degrees in a year. It's, like, insane. I found the A-levels way harder mm -hmm. than the degree. Do you know what? My eldest son said to me that, why can't I just do what I want to do to be a doctor? He said, because then when I'm, like, 18, I'll be really sick of being a doctor. Mm. And you're like... Yes, a kid of 15 can see that would be the right way. Right. It's to do with the Tory government, I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah. just going to put myself there. If you get loads of abuse about me being a, a I mean, dyed in the wool red, it might be a problem. Um, <laughs> Apologies to anybody. Oh, someone's asked what your opinion is. Oh, right, okay. Thought, so thoughts on technology rising and playing a large role on widespread depression and anxiety. Okay people are going through whether it's come to light way through more the years so this kid who's asked this I know him and he does have depression himself and he's a big gamer and I think what he's in meaning is like do you think that have you noticed that that's playing a role in people's depression in terms of social media and that? so it's one of those things that's subjective it's almost impossible actually to say yes the research says that people who spend a huge amount of time online are more likely to be isolated and therefore have a higher incidence of mental health issues such as depression and anxiety mm -hmm. however one could also argue that the personality types of individuals who spend long periods of times on games may feel isolated and that's why they spend that time on get online on a headset chatting to people and even though they seem to be depressed it could be that actually that's even better than it would be if they were on their own right. so that is something that's not very possible to quantify yeah. someone's asked for your psychological opinion on Tommy Robinson Tommy Robinson um, do you when because <laughs> when you watch him okay he, he swears blindly that he isn't a racist <clears throat> Are you able from your training to pick up if you think he's telling the truth and that they are actual truth in what he's saying? What Tommy Robinson is saying is he's not a racist because Islam is not a race. Mm -hmm. It's their religious belief. Mm -hmm. Is he Islamophobic? Yes. Mm -hmm. He has an absolute fear of Islamic individuals mm -hmm. who are definitely um orthodox so people who are very heavily into their religion and um, so he feels that it's a religion of hate because there are passages in it which relate to killing people who are not muslim mm -hmm. it relates to negativity about certain other areas that we don't in what we consider a liberal society to be acceptable the bible equally does the torah equally does you know if you look at any religious text they're so basically old. they're talking about just rip the heads off everybody and like rape <laughs> religion, they, were, murder. they were written by people in times right, where that was acceptable right so, so but the difference between the bible is that we have to some degree 
emancipated it. So what's happened is the Old Testament theologically and the New Testament theologically are two separate texts. The New, Jesus arrived, that's where Judaism separates and Christianity begins. Jesus arrives and goes, guys, let's all like dance with prostitutes and drink together. And then like Christians are like, yeah, let's do that. Sounds like a he great was just idea. A big hippie, wasn't he? Yeah, and like let's just That's hang why out. He had with the people. long hair and the beard. And this is it, right? So that Woodstock, happened. Two thousand. So C of E, for example, mm. when you look at Richard Dawkins, who's an atheist, Richard Dawkins says the only religion that you can arguably stay say has actually developed to move forward is Christianity, as in the C of E particularly, less so with Catholicism Catholicism because it's the fact that they still kind of believe in quite a lot of the, the hellfire stuff. But nonetheless... Hellfire and burst. Yeah, if you get rid of that and you just say, look, screw all religion. The difference between Islam is that it can't be changed. It must not be changed. So it can't do what the modern day Christians have done. You can't do that. It's part of sticking to it. But the idea... So Sharia, Sharia is actually, it sounds terrible when you hear the bits that the people are throwing at you that seem to be terrible about women, etc. But that's not how it usually plays out in modern world. You know, you know it doesn't play so out that way. So they've modified it without actually rewriting the book sort of thing. There were like, like something like 1.5 billion people of mm. the Islamic faith in the world. If they wanted to have a problem with us, man, we would be in trouble. Yeah. Right, so the problem with people like Tommy is that he makes a lot of sense when he speaks. He's a great orator. He sounds like his arguments are flawless. You're kind of like, yeah, at the end of it. You know, if you are listening and you're not an educated person, you're kind of like, yeah, that's it. We're going to get taken over. This (laughs) idea, you know, we're getting taken over. And like that psychologically is really powerful because then you're like, hang on a minute, who's taking us over? Now, the fact that one ultimately that's ludicrous, Mm -hmm. it's not happening. Secondly, have you actually... There's a lot of people of the Muslim faith that I personally know. The last thing they care about is taking over the world. They just want to live peaceful lives and mm-hmm. give the same to the families that I want to give, right? So what's happening is a change. It's assimilating. We'll all assimilate right now. The problem is Islamophobia exists because we've had horrible things happen. And, and there are still happen. some, a, a small section who are playing by the original book. Yeah, sort look, of thing. the people who are, the mentals, mm-hmm. sorry, the people with severe mental health issues in Islam, severe, like ISIS, <clears throat> rocking, mentally, rocking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, have you heard about the, the Tommy Robinson arrest? And yeah, that? of course I have outside of court. Mm. I mean, I think if you want to give Tommy Robinson, I'm sure that whoever was in there must have been on in that. Because like, if you want to give Tommy Robinson a massive amount of followers, a massive amount of kudos, a massive spokesperson position where he convinced everybody that actually, you know what, he's the only this one telling the truth, state, yeah. right? This is it was ridiculous. Just let pro- Tommy Robinson do a live Facebook, man. Let him do it. Because people like me and you are never going to listen to him. You know, uh. we might hear some of the stuff and go, ooh, that could make sense if you were A, B, and C. But the big problem with people like him, the big problem like him, and the big problem with people like ISIS is they believe their rhetoric to such a position that nobody else has a say. That's the problem. I'm here in between. You're here in between. Um, Islamic people, Christian people, we're all here in between. And so then I think there under the and there, sensible there conversation, problems. you would hear people with different points of view concede at certain points yeah. and say, all right, you, you've got us on that one. Yeah. And that's one thing, I, to be fair, um, I haven't really heard. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the expert on this guy, but they've asked me to talk about him. And I really haven't really seen him have a... Com- when watch Tommy Robinson have a debate is very much a trying to win rather than trying to that, learn. Yes. And I, and I feel like in a debate, there should be 
an acceptance that this person from a totally different walk of life might know something that I don't, and you're not just trying to shout each other down, which is usually what a Tommy Robinson debate turns into. Exactly, uh, exactly. So it becomes a monologue. To be fair, I do feel like sometimes he kind of hasn't got a choice in that because of the way his position is in society right now. But I just feel like there isn't enough of that going on where people hmm. are learning from exactly. talking to each other. Don't get me wrong. I think he stands for a particular belief system that's very prevalent in the UK. And I think that people are feeling angry and that people are blaming each other for their dissatisfaction and unhappiness. And one of the things that you'll constantly see is like the, the ISIS group are a group of horrible individuals who want to destroy the Western world. It's yeah. never going to happen though. So we need to stop. We just need to chill out about it because it's never going to happen. They can do what they do to I, us, but I it think, won't happen. I think the outrage comes when he's... When he says a load of these guys have then raped a little a girl, it, it, sexual exploitation is it, is absolutely profiled. It's just fucking it's profiled. Uh-huh. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether people are uncomfortable with it or otherwise. And um, it's mainly Pakistani males. It's as simple as that. You know, much like we can say the same about street robbers being a certain profile. We can say the same about rapists being a certain profile. Unfortunately, there's a profile. That's the way it goes. There's a massive profile where you're more likely to be raped, like paedophile-wise by a, a white guy because there's more white guys in the UK. Right. So, you know, the likelihood is that if you're going to have unfortunate basis of being born to a family where you're going to get abused, it'll probably be a white family. Yeah. We don't have a problem saying it. And it's the same with Pakistani men. The likelihood is that if you've been sexually exploited, much more likely to be that way. It's the way it is. It's not about racism. It's not about culture. It's just about fact. And it's the same with any crime. Yeah. Crime has a profile. We might not like to talk about it, but it's no, factual. I, I like the fact that you're matter of fact about it. But it's it also it's factual, isn't it? That's shit. the thing. It's factual. So it's like, it's not me it's saying it. It's statistics. Exactly. Where's Statman Dave when you need him? Yeah. Uh, um, but okay. no, Tommy Robinson, I don't think he's racist. I think he's Islamophobic. DMT and ayahuasca and how those trips can okay. change... Um, how you're feeling about yourself. Do you know anyone who's done one or have you done... Yeah, I know people. Have you dabbled? Um, um, DMT is something that basically is meant to mimic what happens to you when you... It's the chemicals kind of taken from think, from livestock dying, for example. That's one of the yeah. things. And um, the other one is that particular drug that they use in certain countries to go through like ritualistic so, change. Uh, to my knowledge, <laughs> DMT is, is a product in ayahuasca. Um, but DMT is, is the thing that's meant to mimic like... Is the chemical that is in ayahuasca, but ayahuasca is a much more natural way of delivering that's it That's where you? you go abroad, ayahuasca. <clears throat> I mean, that's you, my experience yeah. of it. And you take you take it with people who are meant to give you- Shamans. Like, out of body experiences. Yeah. You're meant to connect with your young self, the real self, all of that. Whereas DMT is meant to give you like, kind of like, oh, what, what's like to nearly die kind of thing. Mm. Um, I think personally, like the first one, ayahuasca, if you want to go over and experiment with that kind of stuff, as long as you do it with people carefully in a safe environment, then knock yourself out. A bit more worried about stuff that's coming around in the UK now, um, because genuinely when I was growing up, drugs were a lot more pure. It really scares me, the stuff that you can yeah. get these days. No, there's a lot of people dying from one tablet and stuff like that Yeah, now. I mean, Leah Betts was the person who died when I was growing up. That was the one person you knew, everybody knew her name, because she was the kid who drank too much water and she died on E. And that was really horrible to hear about. She drunk too much water. Well, you can drink too much water. Really? Yeah, happens. That's one of the common deaths. That's one of the common deaths. You drink too much water. But what happened the other what, weekend? Do you get like dry mouth or something. <laughs> well, I think you, I think it's like a it's just that obsessive. You know, what it's like if you're on an E, if you're on a pill, right. everything can get a bit obsessive. You know what I mean? Fucking mad. You know, but <laughs> the last death I heard about, her blood turned to acid. Fuck me. Her blood turned to acid. Shit. Like. It, that, yeah, I did hear that. Right, actually, yeah. so that worries me. Like I am, I, since the beginning of time, man has changed the way that they think and feel by using drugs. Right? I would. Do you want to know what my, po- my policy? If I was 
just to put it out there, legalize and regulate and tax every single drug. Just do it. Mm. And my bigger question is politically why we don't do that. My big- <laughs> my, 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 my day, if that, that came out, just for once, I'd love to walk into a, um, a corner shop and just be like, yeah, I'll have a packet of fruit pastels and a packet of heroin, please. Yeah. Well... Like, just just the same. Yes, yeah. like, I'm not sure you'd be getting a packet of heroin. I don't know what like you... A, you obviously want to kill yourself instantly. Just a couple of packs. <laughs> yes. Pack opening. And That'll who? be a different pack opening on YouTube, That's I tell them. you. Chewing um, gum as well. But I think the whole idea behind DMT is to... Um, Open your mind, expand your mind, yeah, expand reprogram. your consciousness. It's about... <laughs> Look, it's a bit like when people talk about the first ecstasy tablet. You know, everybody like has that first because what happens is you go to a new state, a new place. You know yourself in a different way. Uh, Again, don't get me wrong. I know wrong. a kid who recently uh, got into ecstasy and like he won't shut up about it. Yeah. Like it's like the thing. That it, because he loves it. it gives them a state of being. So like, but the problem again with things like E is if you feel a new state of joy, then your average state of depression feels a lot lower and you have to be ready for that. I think what people need to do when they start taking drugs is think about what they are going to impact on the rest of their life. So is that like a rubber band effect you feel? Yeah, it's just simple as that. Like if I've only ever known this is my really happy and now I'm like, this is my really happy, then my sad is sadder. You can't help that. It's just the way it is. So when you feel ordinarily sad, you feel really sad. I know that people are always going to take drugs. I think that that's completely normal. It's what we do in our society. But what we should be doing is regulating them all. We should tax them all. We should make sure that every single one of them is in a situation where it's not going to kill the person. We should plow all the money in tax into rehabilitation and education. And more importantly, we should know that we get rid of street crime. Uh We get rid of trafficking. You know, all the sex trafficking to do with drugs. The bigger question is, why do the government not do that? And they don't do it because they know damn well what the impact would be on our society. We wouldn't have gangs. We wouldn't have all of the street street trafficking. We wouldn't have half of the negativity going on. We'd wipe it out. And when we do that, it means that there'll be more people asking questions of the government. And the prison system. Keep us down. Keep us down. Keep us down. And that's the fact. It's not. It's me saying it's a fact. That is of an opinion, I should say. But if you listen to what I've just said, you'll know what I'm saying makes absolute sense. So it should be a fact. Um, I hope my lifetime, that's my hope in my lifetime, I get to see that. My hope in my lifetime is that I get to see regulation. Well, well other, other European com- uh, countries are heading that way. So hopefully that'll be... Well, Portugal did it to decriminalise everything. 50% um, decrease in addiction, 50% increase in those who have been addicts into employment and education. It's worked. The point is it's worked, so why aren't yeah. we doing it? All right, a couple, couple of interesting ones here. It's from a, a last, looks like a teenage lass. Why do easy girls always get the guy and Aww. barely any of us regular girls get their attention when we'd quite happily play a game of cod and eat pizza? Um, fair play to her. She's just, she feels a bit pushed out, you know what I mean? The thing is about girls... Do easy girls get the guy, so... Well, I don't think there is an easy girl. Okay, there's a girl who wants to have sex. There's a girl who doesn't want to have sex. You know, there's a girl who's willing as a young person to put out. There's a girl who's not. It's completely subjective. Like, I don't judge anyone. If you want to screw around with whoever you want to screw around with, do it. But if you're asking why are guys going for the girl that will put out, well, it's got nothing to do with you and anything wrong with you. It's to do with the fact they want to have sex. Sex is like 
This, really, I can, I can vouch for us. Great right. fun. It's exciting. It's tantalising. It yeah. feels fantastic. And if there is a girl willing to give the guy that, and they're not necessarily looking for a long-term committed loving relationship, they just want a bit of fun, then they're going to do that. It's not that they're not going to end up, yeah. believe me, eating pizza, chilling out and having fun with you. You're going to find a guy who absolutely takes you as you are, who you are. But, but maybe don't see girls as easy. Just see yeah, them Yeah, but as, the thing is, though, sometimes if... If a girl puts out on the first day, it doesn't mean that she's not going to land the relationship either as well, because sometimes people just click. <laughs> you should say that. To any future girlfriends, it's just making sure that they, they're aware they'll completely see you again after they're that just, first no, night. It, put, put it this way. If you want a second date with me, then like having sex with us is definitely a best way to go about it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but for young people... Best case scenario. You know, I think when you're older, that becomes more normal. That's true. But I think when you're a young person, it's really strive. Like, young people get hassled when they girls, don't put out girls are so worried about having a bad name yeah as well. I mean one what girls should always do is know that anyone who gives you a bad name because you've chosen to have sex that is just so reductive what, honestly, it's such a redundant argument son, isn't it son what are you doing kid like, yeah. if a girl's having sex let with you you shut be. the fuck up let her be you know and actually the reason that some people are seeking that kind of affection and attention is not because they're um all the names that are associated with it because they want attention because they want to feel loved and yeah. we shouldn't judge them but at the same well, boys time boys want to tell everyone because they're like hey yeah. I'm the man it's the thing but about sex yeah. it's, it's so loaded so that's what amazes me though in the UK you know we talk about it a lot when they're younger yes, everybody wants it and then like people get into marriages a lot of the time and then end up hardly ever having sex anymore it's like so screwed up mm. like we don't do enough talking about sex and actually having great sex and learning about great sex you know mm. everybody should be having sex like every single everyone. night if you're in a not, relationship not every night not every night though I yeah no honestly I, what I've learned as I'm getting older is um, can you not do it every no, night no no believe me believe me well, then- but I actually have started to appreciate like sort of the, the anticipation as well whereas when I was younger it would just be like it has to be all the time like as many times a day as oh, not possible. yeah once possible. a day but like if you go say a day away from that person and you haven't seen them for a yeah. day it's better Sure. The, the, like, yeah. with that extra, like... But if you're living with them... No, no, I'm just saying... Then, so I'm just saying, sometimes, like, the, I've actually learned something absence recently. Absence makes the heart grow stronger. I'm, I'm, I'm growing. I'm growing as a person. And what I'm saying is, sometimes, waiting a day is good. Sex play is really, Because mm. then really you start positive. texting each other and all that, and you're like... Sex, and when I see you... yeah. So... I, I also think there's a lot of pressure, like, like genuinely, as a, as a educator and as somebody who works in this area quite a lot, I would definitely say that having a really solid confidence around sex is really important. So I do not think you should have sex with anybody unless you feel fully ready. I don't think that you should have sex because your mates are having sex. I don't think you should have sex because people are telling you you should have sex because you're a virgin. Don't just always know yourself. Like genuinely, like I look back at my first sexual experience <laughs> and it was great. It was great. I wanted to have sex with him. He wanted to have sex with me. I was in a relationship that lasted a long time at the time. Didn't end up marrying him. But at the end of the day, I look back at that first time. It was not a bad experience. It was the opposite. It was a really good experience because I was ready. Mm. I'd said no to lots of guys before, but I was ready yeah, for him. Women, women reject a lot, don't they? But also end. women, when they have Men sex. In, yeah, but when they have sex in the end, a lot of women feel like, girls feel like they should. You shouldn't have to do that. Like when you get confident about sex, that happens when you're ready. So... Confident sex so until is then, fun sex. Just practice. Eat the eat, pizza with the guy. Enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Have, have pizza on your own, call a duty on your own, get ready so that when you do meet the right guy, you can yeah. show him what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. That would be All a great right, idea. Right.
I like that. But believe me, you will find somebody who wants to eat pizza with you and have sex with you in the end when you're ready and you should just be cool with being that person. Oh, this is this is an interesting one. The overdiagnosis of mental illnesses yeah. okay. or the trend of people romanticising mental illnesses. So what we're saying okay. earlier is uh, we, we don't talk about it enough, but then you've got those other people who seem to like... Um, build a career out of being that victim or whatever or want to be seen as poor pitiful me or whatever do you have you ever looked at someone and thought you're talking shit that you, you know you're, you're literally pretending to be depressed so that people will feel a certain way about you I've never met anybody who was pretending to be depressed genuinely never never mm. met anybody in therapy who was pretending to be depressed I've met a lot of people who once they realised they were depressed maybe for a period of time that stopped them moving on because mm. they felt like that was their answer mm. I'm really depressed that's why I can't go to work that's why I can't get a boyfriend that's why I can't get with my parents because I'm depressed so they use that as a hook to stop themselves moving forward that's quite yeah. Common. I know people. I know people who don't realise they're depressed. People also don't. I, I like literally. Depressed. I know people who, and I'm. I'm. A, I try and be nice or whatever, but I'm just silently very aware that you are actually. Do you not say that to them? How the fuck do you turn around to someone? I and think do you're that? depressed. It, it, That's <laughs> what I'd say. No, seriously. Like but I, seriously. when you really care about someone. That's it, why you, you do it. I'm aware that. But that's why you say it. You say. I love you and I think you're really depressed and I want to help you. So that so that so with depression often I think comes um anger issues as well and the and the people that I'm aware of who uh, I think are depressed have these anger issues to the point where in order to convince them of their depression I'm going to have to have a massive fucking argument where I have to go well remember this and remember that and, pr- and pr- almost prove it and me not being qualified they're like well, what the fuck do you know so I almost um, suffer the backlash like because they lash out quite a bit in that so I just have to sort of carry on yeah dealing with it I, but I kind you should of, voice it though I'm, go, I'm gonna but it's in a really but the thing is like in a, how, how the fuck do you tell someone that you think that because like, someone would, out there will probably be wondering yeah this. I would say it like I would genuinely say it but because, what if they say well, what do you know well the thing is you can say well the reason I'm saying it is because of A, B and C and it also it's how you say it podcast with True Geordie. yeah it's also how you say it like the thing about mental illness is look, lots of people don't realise they're depressed that's why people kill themselves like genuinely that's why people kill themselves if people had realised genuinely that and what happens with suicide and one of my really good friends killed himself when I was like a young woman mm-hmm. and I can still remember us, the question afterwards was how did that happen he was always so happy how did that happen he was always okay and then you realise that actually they were just always acting that way because mm-hmm. they were trying to fit in and you look back and you say to yourself there must have been so many times that his actions like at that point if we'd asked could maybe have led to that conversation what you're saying is you're even further down that line this person is acting in a way that looks depressed so if they're already at that point they're even further down the line than that person who killed themselves because they're actually acting in a way that's quite depressed so you have to reach out like I'd say to anybody and everybody it's far better to reach out and get somebody shout at you somebody reject you for a bit somebody tell you that you're wrong but then they've heard it they've heard it and you're like you know what they hear it You, you just stop them being allowed to hide from it People want to hide from it. Guys in our society, particularly boys, yeah. they are brought up with this ridiculous schema that says, oh, be strong, you know, know how to cope, be resilient. Yeah, I it's get bullshit. loads of messages off of it's young bullshit. men. Lord, I get so many messages off young men. You have a penis, struggling. therefore you should also know how to cope with the slings yeah. and arrows of life. No, it's really hard. Look, growing up, growing up in our society is something that we're all told to be thankful for because, you know, 
know, we come from a Western environment and even the poorest of the poor can still eat and blah, 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 blah. Actually, it doesn't work like that. Emotions don't work like that. I think grown up for men now must be the hardest it's ever been. I think so. Right now. I think online, all of that stuff. The lines are so blurred compared to what they used to be. If anything, there was so much structure back in like the 40s, 50s, 60s or whatever. Like it meant it was very straightforward of what it was to be a man. Whereas now... There is no formula. There is the thing about us saying men, female, with some differences, but to some degree, we're all human, and human mm. beings are incredibly, incredibly vast. You know, they're vast. Every human being has got like so many different feelings, so many different thoughts, so many different identities, so many different transitions and recreations, and you know, reinventions through your life. That's one of the things that young people should be told. You know, I genuinely learned that probably in my early 20s I was like screw this I'll just reinvent myself I don't need to do anything drastic with my life as in I don't need to do anything awful to myself to change I can just reinvent myself I'll just be a totally different person you go through shades and transitions and changes and I think we need to teach young people that so when they're sitting there at 14 thinking I don't have any friends I'm not popular I'm being bullied or that person doesn't fancy me feels like the end of the world it's like yeah it feels like the end of the world it's just the end of yeah. this so what do you want to do for your next part of your world what do you want to do for your next transition why is it all why are the numbers of male suicides so high in your is there because of what you've just been talking about do you think yeah I think that men I think it's the biggest killer of women as well don't get me wrong but it's okay. high, it's, that's higher for men I think because guys are brought up constantly feeling like it's not okay to cry it's not okay to be demonstrative with your emotions you've got to be hard you've got to be cool yeah. I mean you look at when you're at school right do you know what I mean the nice sensitive guy who is going to be a wonderful husband is often the person being bullied the guys who are cool and in with the in crowd are scared shitless that they'll get dropped from being in the in crowd. So they're doing things that they're not altogether comfortable with to other people potentially just to stay there. Yeah. You've got the most popular guys that actually don't know how to control and use their power appropriately. So they're doing things that really they're going to regret a few down years down the line yeah. and be regretful of. And then you've got the girls at the same time kind of finding the things attractive that in five, ten years time they're not going to find attractive. It's confusing. But nobody sits there and says that to them and says make choices based on who you are what you want what you need not what you think other people think you should be and think you should need nailed it completely agree with you that's where that goes be who you actually are not who you want people to see you as yeah because they're two different things and also it's so bloody exhausting Mm. that's the other thing you know you put on this ridiculous cloak that doesn't even belong to you that's like a disguise that you think you're going to be and then you have to play it and act it the whole time and you go home at night you feel like you're duplicitous because you're not actually being the person you truly are you feel knackered because you're thinking did I actually carry that forward did people believe it you know (laughs) what I mean you just went from duplicitous to knackered yeah but you're doing knackered (laughs) you really do have a fucking vocabulary absolutely knackered because it's like being somebody that you're not is exhausting you have to check out whether you made sure that you made sense Nothing. You wake up the next day, you're like, oh, I'll put that cloak back on again. Just like, be you. Like, be you. It might mean that you lose some of your friends. That's cool because you'll find new friends who like you for you. You know, be you because in the end, you might not get the guy or the girl that you really like, but you'll find the person who reflects exactly what you deserve. Be you because in the end, you will never have to make an effort. Things will feel less, less exhausting and you'll feel happy. That's what you need to do. It won't cure everybody's mental health issues, but it'll make it a lot easier. Million percent. Someone, like, so you've already mentioned... Um, and also just, also, just to say as well, know that no matter where you are, particularly as a young person, you will be loved by somebody. You'll yeah. be absolutely adored by somebody. That's the other thing. I think there's a big fear about You'll that. You'll be absolutely adored. You will literally be adored. There will be somebody who sees you one day and you will take their breath away and you won't know why. And I had somebody saying to me yesterday, you know, there's always going to be a girl prettier than me. There's always, well, always going to be a girl younger, prettier, taller, shorter, bigger, whatever. It's always going to be somebody. Don't compare yourself to that because one day somebody's 
going to walk into your room and it's just going to take your breath away and it's going to happen for you and it's going to be incredible and then all you should ever do in that moment is look at that person who reflects your worth and spend your life thinking fuck how lucky I am how lucky because we've done something crazy in our society in the past 50 years we've taken the emphasis of being we've taken the emphasis of meaning and we've extrapolated it over the way you look the way you earn the job you do the house you live in bullshit bullshit the only thing that matters is this tiny nucleus of being with the person that you love or a family you create or your extended family that surround you that is having meaning that is where happiness lives that's where mental health lives that's where truly truly feeling grateful lives and it's small and it has fuck all to do with where you look or what your pay package is or what you're going to do in your career it doesn't matter so when you worry about all that shit that these young people are writing in about when they're worried about all that shit it's jack all to do with happiness and it's there and everyone can get it it's just right there it's mm-hmm. just acknowledge it yeah a million percent I can say that from experience so. it's so true and we we just spend our lives chasing things that we're told make us happy and then we're feeling constantly like we're running into walls because it's not real no no like Obviously, like I say, I've gone on this journey, and then you, you suddenly think, "Oh, forget, forget a better house or a better car." Yeah. Or whatever. literally, it's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. It is bullshit. You get the same place in the shit Gen- car. Genuinely, my car till last year was worth two hundred pounds. Don't get me wrong. You have a nice little time when you first get a new thing, whatever that new thing is. You might have a new coat, new house, new car, but it's all temporary. That's and, six months. Yeah, and you're still left with you and who yeah. you are, yeah. and that's what the real truth is. Isn't and then it? people will watch things. They'll watch videos, you know, of people who've like gone off grid, and they'll be captivated by these two incredibly happy people with their little family, and they'll be like farming somewhere really remote and they'll just be talking about the fact that they work two days a year doing whatever because that brings them enough money in and people are like oh my god they seem really happy and you're like yes because they took the fundamentals of happiness and just made it into their whole world and the thing about the capitalist state is we convinced everybody and anybody who's grown up in western britain we convince you that you have to have to be happy you have to be rich you have to be successful you have to be beautiful you have to want a b and c use a credit card buy that new thing because that'll make you feel happier and it's all just absolute crap it's volume it's the day-to-day activities isn't it that what if you're doing what you love when people say about why am i feeling depressed because i'm spending so much time online for example like obviously i think the online world's amazing i think the cyber world's incredible i think it's such a democratic environment and also connects people everywhere so it's great but if you aren't going out every day and talking to people that's a problem so there are two indicators that will mean that you live a long life one is that you have close relationships so that makes your life long Mm -hmm. and the second is interactions on a mm-hmm. daily basis going out and talking to as many people as possible firstly that impacts on your mental health and well-being and secondly it gives you a longer life yeah. so the thing about what we need as humans are very small but we don't actually teach people what they need we just tell them a load of myths mm-hmm. and hope they'll spend a lot of money so that our capitalist state continues it's the way it works well i've had a fucking good chat with you the day i know i just want to come back though and just like we'll do another one we never ever get through everything no we've got we've got i've got shitloads so we'll definitely do a third one uh maybe lawrence will be here for that if i if i let him back bless um but the thing is the truth is though like to all the people who've written in who are worried about mental health who are worried about who they are like when you're young i'm worried about them yeah no genuinely i get a message and i'm like like what the fuck like yeah uh, because people say i'm thinking about killing myself and And we should be worried so now i'm like yeah. Well, what if I don't do something? Yeah. Like, what, what? Do you know what I'm exactly. saying? It exactly. Does, it fucking fr- so I'm hoping that what we've talked about today can um, just 
push them in that way yeah. exactly yeah and it, the, the point yeah, I do a clinic on a Wednesday as well just to say if it's free online mm. on Facebook Live so alright people then. You, we'll leave all that below yeah I'll leave that so people I'm do I'm not an expert no this and is, I do it free and it's like it's, it's there it's there if people to, want to do it I can do, do a special I mean? one for that but the, the truth is if you're listening now and you've asked about mental health and well-being right it's confusing being young mental health when you're young is even more confusing because you don't have the responsibilities like paying mortgages looking after kids having a job you know there's nothing to anchor you to mm-hmm. the here and now so often you start running wild with your thoughts but what you need to know is this for the most part anxiety and depression will pass 80% of the time it passes 80% of the time you'll never feel it again so don't worry if you've got depressed but if it's constant and you're worried you do need to seek some help but there are some things you can do eat a healthy diet exercise every single day I know that sounds like an old wives tale it's absolutely true do it get out in the sunlight talk to your friends go on support forums get in touch with other community people who need and can help you in that area and and, and baby step it to start with yeah. as well so don't put the don't pressure on don't be quiet you, about you know. it though so like all right, I'm going to do exercise. A 10-minute walk in the morning or in the midday. That's middle fine. Day. That, exactly. Just start with that and, 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 and build yourself yeah, up. Yeah, and, and always remember this, that in the end, you'll find your way, but you just have to stick it here. Just don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. That's it, like, it's, it's simple, but it's fucking hard. But if you do it, you'll get somewhere. And also look at people like you, mm-hmm. because people like you and people like me, both entirely screwed at one point. <laughs> Did feel that really. Really, really happy um, now. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll put all your links in the description so they can follow you. And um, if you've enjoyed the chat, don't forget to like the video, subscribe, and we'll see you later.